From Troy Public Radio and the College of Communication and Fine Arts at Troy University, I'm Scott Sexton. And I'm Diane Orlovsky. And you are listening to Inquire, conversations about choral music, the arts, and life. In this podcast, we want to tell you the stories behind the songs. We want to go directly to composers and thinkers and supporters of arts to learn how they explore sound and universal text and shared human experiences. This episode is called A Sense of Place. In it, Diane will speak with composer and conductor Eric William Barnum and hear a couple of his pieces as performed by Choral Arts on the album Life Stories, Choral Music of Eric Barnum. And Diane, you've written something about A Sense of Place. I have. It's called A Sense of Place, and I think it probably sets the tone for what the listeners are going to hear in this episode. So let's give it a listen. A Sense of Place Everyone should claim a sense of place, a spot on this earth that compels each to return, a touchstone that beckons, invites, and embraces. I know such a place. It remains frozen in time. In fact, time ceases to exist there. Frequent pilgrimages reassure me that those remembered sights, smells, sounds, and cherished people did indeed exist. They are not just part of a recurring dream. I came into my own in such a place. I learned to shed what was expected. I cultivated foundational beliefs and ethical underpinnings there, installing them as my core. I became a more authentic version of myself in such a place. So it is not surprising that I regard this place as holy ground. This place is bedrock unearthed, which offers sure footing for future journeys and provides the path to lead me home. One of the hallmarks of a sense of place is always going back to it. There is something about it that pulls you, almost like when people make pilgrimages to a place. You have a sort of a place in your life like that, don't you? I do. You know, I've done work all around the world, but one of these places, I've been to Bosnia eight times. Hmm. And each time I've been, it's not just a quick two-day, you know, trip. It's right. I spend months there. And you know, it, it's become my second home. Mm-hmm. And part of the work I do there, I get to study and perform and just be among great friends. Right. And we do some great choral music there based on their traditions. Right. And I'm so grateful that they are able to share that with me every time I go, share their beautiful culture, food and dancing and singing. But one thing they do also share with me is their journey and reconciliation after their wars. So that peace building just adds a whole other layer. So multidimensional, isn't it? Very very multidimensional. And I think that really lends itself to the topic of this podcast because when you talk about sense of place, 
you put it so beautifully in your meditation. Scott, you spoke of the journey of place, and the composer we feature in today's podcast truly captures that essence of place in his choral works. Eric Barnum is an internationally known conductor and composer who has received numerous awards and grants and has held residencies all over the world. He is currently the director of choirs at Drake University. His piece, Thousand Red Birds, received its Carnegie Hall premiere in 2018, along with some of his other works. <laughs> On a personal note, the Troy University Concert Chorale had the wonderful privilege of singing in that premiere, as well as commissioning two works from Barnum called Confessions and Evensong. In the first part of our conversation with Eric Barnum, I asked him about the role of a sense of place and memory. Here's his take on that. I think it is a point of importance to me, and I'm not sure I knew early on that it was when I was probably composing more on instinct than mm -hmm. anything else. And what, even as you're talking, it makes me think of maybe how I felt about things, even as I was young where I was. It might be mainly personality-driven. I, I think about the past quite a bit. I think about not just memories of times with friends as I was growing up, but honestly, things where I would walk out into the woods behind my house. I grew up way out in the country, outside of a small town in northern Minnesota, which was completely flat and treeless generally and sugar beet fields everywhere you could look and i just remember vividly walking out on these dirt roads quite often actually and enjoying the wind enjoying the nothingness and when i say nothing it's full of life obviously but yeah. the the sort of devoid of human noise i would say and this great deal of peace. And I, you know, you mentioned memory and place. And for me, I want to add another word to the mix, which okay. would be wonder or huh. majesty. So there's a sense here that there's something deeper and something that we can't quite grasp, but that we wonder about, that we're, we're sort of longing for. And that word also comes a lot, up a lot in the way that I think about my own music, which is this constant reach towards something that we can't can't get or grasp which also by the way is memory in a way you can never go back to that time or place that you remember even as a child i was going that direction i'm not sure why in across the fields you know you're talking about loss of home not the house but the land right you wrote about it extensively you know you talked about it pulled you apart at the seams sometimes, that, that feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's what made you resonate with Walter Crane's poem for that piece. Mm -hmm. And what's funny, actually, about that is that I hadn't been to my home growing up in the, in the fields of the far north in quite a while. I moved out west. And that is where I rode across the fields when I was living in Seattle, Washington, having memory be my only access point to my time on the land, you know, and celebrating 
the fields and the trees and the wind, all those things. But just recently, I was visiting my parents who had since moved and decided to drive the extra few hours to where I grew up. And what a crazy time. And I'm sure anybody listening has had this experience where you go back to your memory and it is not what you remember. <laughs> and in my case, it was way smaller and really? it felt very odd. It felt tiny in comparison to my memory. So even if you go back to the place that you remember, you still can't access the way that you interacted with it at the time of memory, which so that's how transience and time comes into this as well. I think all of us can relate to what Eric describes. So I asked him how he finds texts that frame those moments and gives us access to places which exist so vividly in memory. To find poets that talk about it in a way that that can be set to music, to sing, where the rhythm of the poem, the words that the poem is using, while it is speaking about the topic that we're talking about, mm-hmm. home or space or remembering home or remembering a time, they're very few and far between, rare. And that it links up with, I guess, the, the way that I develop my tonal language and what yeah. I think about the way that I've developed as a composer to treasure, I guess I have called it narrative composition, where maybe there's no story being said, but the way that I deal with the poem is more of a narrative way, where there's a story held inside the picture. And again, that all links together with a shared experience with all of us that we this is our story. We all have this happen to us. We're time. We are prisoners of it. And the way that we deal with it is not just a picture frame, but there is an image of our life. But inside the image, there's a million stories to be told. Their time has happened inside that image. So I, I feel like this concept of time and home and just how it interplays with my music. It just is always present in the pieces, no matter what piece it is, there's this sense. And I don't, I'm not even sure how to describe it, but I think it's what we were talking about, that somewhere along the line when I was a child, I enjoyed the mystery and wonder of the place mm-hmm. and the way trees fall in the, the autumn. You know, just simple things like that, that there is a magic to it all. And to be honest, I mean, we're hovering around what I really believe and think, which shares a philosophical note with what C.S. Lewis would call longing or nostalgia. We're all, we're longing for something that never will be right until the very end, which is a return to the Garden of Eden or a return to the tree of life. Mm -hmm. And so these little pangs... You know, another story that I, I think of is when choirs, and anybody listening may have had this experience to some degree, whether you've sung in a choir or not, that when you visit a rest home or a, a nursing home of some degree, especially during Christmas time, and you sing the old songs, Silent Night, or maybe there's a movie that uh, the elderly folks are watching. Mm-hmm. 
that brings this nostalgic tone, there's a sense that whether or not they actually experienced it, they're remembering it as if they had. And this is what I'm talking about, that I don't even know what I'm talking about when I say the tree of life really in the material world. But there's a shared nostalgia, a longing for what memory always provides generally is good, is a distant, never-ending good that I want to attain, that I want to feel this sort of... When I say across the fields, when I'm talking about northern Minnesota in my youth, I'm remembering the breeze on my face and utter peace, a peace that wasn't there when I went back. (laughs) Ah, Eric said it so well. So while we listen to Across the Fields, let's all think about a place where we find peace.
This is Inquire. I'm Diane Orlovsky, and you've been listening to Eric Barnum's composition, Across the Fields. Let's pick up the conversation with Eric, where we talk about another piece that explores a sense of place. So if I'm presented a poem like, let's say, Afternoon on a Hill, mm-hmm. this poem has been set many, many times, many times by many people. It is a joyful poem. It is. It's a poem about enjoying the view of not only nature from the top of a hill, but also a distant town. It's very idyllic and pastoral. And everybody can imagine that moment, being on top of a beautiful hill, the wind blowing, the clouds are speeding along up above, and the wind is blowing down the grass and the flowers, Mm -hmm. and that you feel free. There's a freedom up there and a joy and it is certainly not hot <laughs> it's not <laughs> no, it's it not. is a nice cool day <laughs> without a lot of humidity okay and you can see down to the town where you live and look at it anew and afresh without being on the gritty streets you're seeing it from afar and the joy of that poem for me is the moment where you take the time to look down at the at your home after this enjoying the beauty of nature mm-hmm. and then picking out the house where you live yes what a special moment that is it's not it's it's essentially saying i live here i am a part of this place it's attaching yourself to the land in a particular way and it's attaching yourself to time and memory in a particular way. Yeah. You're finding a home. You're finding your home in everything around you. And I'll be honest, I've shared this with many choirs over the years mm-hmm. and with many students. There are a fair number of students that have had awful childhoods and their home is horrible. And yet to find one's home still remains something of worth to that person, you know, just the concept of home. I do want to highlight, though, at the end of that piece Mm -hmm. is maybe one of the favorite moments I've ever composed, which encapsulates what we're talking about almost perfectly. Remember what I said about this piece being very happy. Mm -hmm. It is. It's very joyful. And we find home, and we say the words, I will touch a hundred flowers and not pick one where we're, we're celebrating the fact that life goes on and I'm going to enjoy it. It's that old carpe diem mm-hmm. sort of narrative. But for some reason, again, while I was even writing this, or even now I, I look back on composing it and thinking it's not good enough. That's not real. And what is real is that there is a minor <laughs> mystery to looking back. There's a mystery to this whole thing there's something that we are, again, like I said, a prisoner to, and that's time. Right. We cannot stay on the hill. We have to leave. Whenever something wonderful happens, tomorrow still comes. Whenever something bad happens, tomorrow still comes. Time continues, and it's a word that you and I have discussed long yeah, ago in the past, which is transience, and the idea that the way all these things play out, it's on a scale of time. And 
that there's a mystery to time. And it goes in the ultimate moment, and I've been asked about this maybe more than any other, that at the conclusion of this piece, it goes minor, not major. Mm -hmm. That after this, all this joyful stuff, this exuberance, at the end, it, it's not necessarily somber. It doesn't end in sadness. It ends in mystery, which I, I think if you've gotten old enough, you start to realize that that is what life is, a great mystery. We think we have solved it all. And then we start to realize over time that we know nothing yeah. about virtually anything, except that we can enjoy, we can live, we can celebrate, we can try to see deeper and love deeper and do our best to be good and to do good mm -hmm. and to receive good and to see beauty all around us as we can. And that's where all the good stuff lies. Let's listen to Afternoon on a Hill, paying special attention to the mystery at the end.
This is Inquire. You have just heard Eric Barnum's piece, Afternoon on a Hill. To conclude, I asked Eric about feeling a sense of place, a sense of home, but in an entirely unfamiliar place. A year after my dad died, I went to Italy. And Mm. I had never been before, and traveling to all the little small towns, I would find myself gasping because someone passed by and looked just like him, or the old man in the cafe bent over a newspaper looked just like him, and I began to associate him with place. And I felt in totally in my skin. I didn't know the language, but the music that I heard in the churches and uh, everything sort of was a was a piece. And I'm thinking to myself, was that really a sense of place, or was that just me superimposing memory? Well, a question and response is, is it worth differentiating between the two? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you found out that it was you superimposing, does that mean it's less valuable? So my story of that is a recent one. Actually, we took our choir here at Drake University to Ireland this last spring, and we went to a region of Ireland called Connemara. Mm -hmm. And it is a very unique part of Ireland where there are not a lot of people and there's some grand there's a few grand estates and lakes it's a very desolate part of ireland with a lot of sheep <laughs> particularly <laughs> but it becomes less green a little bit and there's these sort of treeless hilltops around i essentially felt exactly the what you described that there's i feel a homeness in this place and it could have been anything. It could have been how the wind blew. Yeah. It could have been the sound of the wind in the grass and trees. There's, again, a mystery here where I'm not sure that I would be able to ever know why, but I have a feeling that it is the case that, I mean, I even said to our tour guide at the time, if I ever moved to Ireland, this is where I would go. Mm-hmm. And what's even more curious, by the way, is that I do not feel that way about where I grew up anymore, (laughs) which is very odd, I think, that home to me is a different sense in the land than how I grew up. Although maybe the point that we're saying is that it's what meaning and, and value we apply to certain things and memories and then how they interplay with our daily life. And I bet this can be the same in music. I bet the things that we value most in a particular music and how it plays out and even who's performing it makes it feel home or feels more like, man, I can be my best self in this type of singing, this type of music, this type of... I don't feel awkward or Mm -hmm. out of my skin, as you said. It's a good way of saying it. Mm -hmm. When you stop thinking about the identities that we have to protect and you turn your face and view to a tree, something magical starts to happen in our life. It really does. I'm not saying nature is the answer or nature is God, but nature calls us to God. Nature calls us to good, good things, pure things. 
It's a beautiful, beautiful thing and something that I hope we could all celebrate more than we do. I want to thank Eric Barnum for sharing his thoughts and his music with us today. And I want to thank you for coming along with us on this journey through memory and music and place. You've been listening to Inquire, conversations about choral music, the arts, and life. Inquire is produced and edited in the studios of Troy Public Radio by Austin Toy, Kyle Gassett, and Diane Orlovsky. Our logo was designed by Rachel Arnold. Special thanks to the College of Communication and Fine Arts and Dean Michael Thrasher. Please subscribe to the Inquire podcast and let others know about us. You can also leave a review in the podcast platform of your choice. It will help others find the show. We hope you join us again for more conversations about choral music, the arts, and life. This is Inquire. I'm Diane Orlovsky. And I'm Scott Sexton. Thank you for listening. <laughs>